The holidays are upon us here at the Moms on Call podcast. We've got a lot to discuss when it comes to traveling for the holidays, like things to expect or possibly avoid when seeing family and friends for maybe the first time in a long time. We'll also share some holiday traditions we've started with our own families and why they can be so important. My name is Laura Hunter, along with my longtime friend, business partner, and fellow pediatric nurse, Jennifer Walker. We're excited to have you with us today for another episode of the Moms on Call podcast. We love getting to share our knowledge, strategies, and struggles as parents and nurses with you through a variety of ways, including our books, videos, online resources, personal consultants, and now with the Moms on Call podcast. Today, we'll be answering some of your questions, like what nipple might work for your baby that just won't take a bottle, and what to try when your baby is rejecting their current formula. We like to begin each podcast with some valuable advice for those of you out there that know the clock is ticking on the next parental task. Today, we are talking about that repetitive toddler behavior that sometimes can drive you a little crazy. Thanks to our sponsor, Nosebot, and thank you for coming to hang out with the Moms on Call podcast. If you have ever played Drop the Sippy Cup off the side of the stroller, you are aware of one way that toddlers learn and a game they love to play. They learn by repetition. And today we're going to give you a reminder. If you are facing repetitive toddler behaviors that are about to make you lose your mind, the battle is between them and a behavior, not between you and your child. And that is so true because it seems like it becomes a battle of the wills. And sometimes these little ones, they're strong. And I'm telling you, some days I think they win. <laughs> they, well, we want to pick our battles, right? That's what everybody always says to you. And you're like, which ones? Can somebody just give me a list? And really, the battle that we want to fight is the battle for their heart. And we want to be their biggest fan to help them to manage the behaviors so that it rests with them. It's their responsibility to manage some of these really normal parts of the human experience, like frustration and disappointment. As parents, it's not fun to watch, and it's often loud and can be, as we said, quite repetitive. But when you're that voice over and over again that believes in your child, when you take those last few minutes in the day to make sure that you instill those things that we say at Moms on Call, I love you, I believe in you, and I'll see you when the sun comes up, that you have those little moments of connection right there before bed and peppered throughout the day, like we talk about in our resources, then those repetitive behaviors are going to actually turn out to be something that is really great for their learning process. You don't always have to do everything right or say the right thing, but today we just want to make sure that you know that you fight the right battle and the battle is them and the behavior, not you and them. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the Moms on Call. They have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, 
and network of certified consultants. And now they're sharing their experiences as nurses, business owners, and moms with you, completely unfiltered. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. Well, we're coming full force into holidays and traveling and family time together and, you know, maybe for the first time in a year or two. So I think it's important for us to just kind of talk about some of those family traditions that we do, as well as some things that might help as we're traveling and seeing family, and maybe even some things we probably should avoid. (laughs) Yeah, the Thanksgiving season is upon us. And it is free game for people to tell you how you should parent your kids, give you little comments on their behaviors. Oh, they're ripe with these things and family settings. So let's get ready to defend the most wonderful and amazing thing that you have been given, your family values. You can do it and not hurt people's feelings. And I love that. And I think that, you know, we could actually... If we have a plan and we've kind of thought about, okay, you know what, when I see the eye rolls or people are, you know, why are you putting that little one down for a nap so soon or all the time? Or why do you follow a schedule? And, you know, right off the bat, what are some statements that families can have in their back pocket to use when people want to question the way anybody is doing this whole parenting thing? Because, you know, you and I say, There is no right or wrong. You and I are very big in saying, look, the right way is what you decide for your family, period. That includes us not judging other people who aren't doing it the way that we do it. So we need some statements that we can just say one to those around the kitchen table with us. What are some things that we can kind of say to one, show love and support to people who may not think like us, or maybe to people who are are really judging the way that we do this whole parenting thing? Well, there's so many parts of the toddler seminar that actually apply here (laughs) and how to exude that confidence, but it really starts in the heart. So having what to say is helpful, but saying it like you mean it comes from believing in what you're saying. And one of the things that I really love that little engineers, when I do consults with toddler families and they have a child who just registers really strong in that engineer category rule followers too, is, you know, mommy decides and I'm good at it or daddy decides and I'm good at it. So we can actually cross apply that to, uh, you know, some of the adult people in our life and say, oh, because that's a decision we made and we're good at it. And I promise you just put a little wink and a smile on the end of that or a little shoulder shrug. That's the end of that conversation. So practice that in the mirror. It's just a decision we made and we're good at it. We love this. Love, love, love that. I also love starting off the statement of, I'm sure you understand that this works best for our family. I'm sure you understand. Because when you start it off that way, it's almost like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, I understand. Yeah, they're already nodding along. Like, of course. And whether they do or not, I also want to say, that you don't have to have the permission of your whole family to do things the way that you have chosen to do them. And one of the things I really love about the digital age is 
that you just see so many more people embracing their own decisions. I agree with that. I mean, I do think that as we're watching this, that people are starting to kind of stand up for how they're doing things. And there's a wonderful, kind way to do it. All right. So we know that, okay, we're going to be with these families. Now we have a couple of statements to put in our pocket as we navigate sitting around the table, at least for parenting styles. Are there some subjects that we probably just should stay away from? (laughs) That depends on your family dynamic. (laughs) Because you know you're at the table. And even if you don't bring it up, like somebody just can't keep it inside. And now you're in the midst of this awkwardness and you're just like, oh, pass me the potatoes, (laughs) get me out of here. Well, I I think political topics are one of those topics that we probably just have to be like, hey, stay away from it, divert, you know, go in a different direction and try and change that subject as often as possible. Especially nowadays when those kind of conversations can get sideways so quickly. So I think we have some rules around the table. Like we are not going to talk about who likes who, who's in office. We're just going to try and be together and stay positive here. Uh, (laughs) Although Uncle Joe may or may not allow us to do that. (laughs) So one of the phrases that is one of my favorites. And I have to remind myself of this so often as I navigate through, you know, so much of the information we have available today. But this is my favorite. Nobody gets to tell me who to hate. Mm, I love that. And I think that could really divert some conversations, right? Thanksgiving and families are about loving each other and finding how you're unified and finding the commonality of family. And not everybody allows you to do that. I get that part. But just remembering that, yeah, nobody gets to tell me who to hate. I definitely know who I want to love. And they're sitting here at this table. Everybody write that down. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to change subjects here. You know, one of my favorite times when we went to the beach that one time, or, you know, when we helped grandma and she got that chair that helped sit her up and how excited she was. One of my favorite stories was teaching Mima how to use Siri. Oh, that's hilarious. She kept putting it like right up close to her face. We're like, no, hold it out here, Mima. And then just say, Siri, call Jennifer. I'm sorry. I can't say that. If anybody Siri just activated, <laughs> please accept my apologies. My phone's going to start ringing. And so, yeah, she kept putting it closer and closer to her face. Every time she just couldn't speak to it, you know, like looking at the phone. And we just... Got ourselves so tickled. Remember those things before you go. Like get a couple memories. Pack those away. Like here are some fun things we all did. We got along. It was funny. And then you can always, if you have to, divert, divert. (laughs) Emergency. I love that. So when we're traveling and trying to get everybody out, make sure we have all we need to say, you know, travel to grandma's house or what have you. We always get the questions about time zones and what to take and how to try and make that as easy as possible when we're traveling. And one of the things that I absolutely encourage is one, we want to make sure we have a safe sleep environment wherever it is that we're going. So If they have to stay in the same room with you, get a slumber pod. Those are fantastic to make their own safe place. 
if you had the option of having their own room and sleep environment where you're going, great, do that. I'll also recommend that you bring sheets washed at your house because of those smells is just familiar. Bring the sound machine. The sound machines are portable. Bring those. And as far as the routine goes, one of my best tips is get over to the new time wherever you're going as soon as possible. It does make a big difference. And usually they'll adjust within a day or two. Get over onto that new time and follow a few key points of the day when reality will allow. And you know, Jennifer, a lot of times families are staying out later in the day and they want to know, well, because I do mom's on call, does that mean that we have to be at the house? And- <laughs> will this ruin everything? Yeah. If we stay out late or yeah. Yes. The plane yes. gets And the answer late. to that is no. <laughs> Emphatically, no, we will not ruin everything. No. And if you go to a late dinner, that's great. Feed that bedtime bottle wherever you are or nurse wherever you are. Get back home, wash their face, change their diaper, top them off and get them to bed. It's okay for them to go a bit to bed a little bit later. It's okay to skip that bath if things are kind of crazy and things are going. We want the time together to be as stress-free as we can. And you know what? If things get a little bit off track, We'll fix it when we get back, right? Oh, absolutely. And then here's something, too, for the toddler parents, especially, again, if you have an engineer and they tend to be, quote, unquote, what you would call shy, really, it's just that they take time to warm up to a new environment. Like, they want to understand the process. Little rule followers can sometimes just need to know who's in charge in a new environment, so they kind of hide or cling to you. The touch kids are clinging to you because that's their security. So if you're going into an environment and you feel like, yeah, you'll have one kid that is social as the day is long and they're going to hug strangers. They're hugging pets and strangers. And, oh, sorry, that that man's not eating with us. Uh, He's (laughs) a party of six over at the other table. Oh, okay. But if you have an engineer, rule follower, or a touch kid and you're afraid they'll hurt somebody's feelings because they don't want to just automatically jump into grandpa's arms. Here's a phrase too that we can use. Like they just take a minute to warm up and giving them permission to take a minute to warm up is so helpful. Not only for you, because we know that like forcing it, then they're crying and reaching back for you and you're apologizing and we don't have to go through all that. Just say, hey, you know what? It takes them some time to warm up. They're just going to want to hold on to me for a few minutes. But they will just carry on, do the things that you're doing, and give them a little time. That's all they need. So that way, you're that child's advocate. It may not be one child is the same as the other. So everybody has the freedom to warm up to the situation at their own pace. And take some kids just a little longer than others. That doesn't mean that you're a bad parent, that you've raised some kind of antisocial kid, that they're never going to love their grandparents. Like We have all kinds of stressful thoughts that go through our mind as we try and make some kind of permanent diagnosis on the basis of how they're interacting with people right away. Just let them take some time to warm up. That touch child is super affectionate. They will warm up at their own pace. I love when I go to consults and I'm just observing the behavior of of toddlers. And I can always tell like that touch toddler, they'll play independently. And as they play and as they get more comfortable with my presence sitting there, they'll come around and get closer and closer and closer. And in approximately 10 to 12 minutes of my being there, 
they make contact somehow, hand me a toy, touch my leg. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I see what kind of motivates this one. And just giving them the freedom to do that before you know it, they're on your lap. So if you have that kind of child, I want to encourage you, you know, it's going to be fine. Everybody will feel loved and you can ease into this, all of you, at your own pace. Do you have your seatbelt on? <laughs> we changing subjects again. Click. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oop. So still within that same holiday family get-together travel stuff, but one of the things that I wanted to spend a few minutes on is kind of these traditions. Like, I think traditions are so important to families. And, you know, it's not that we it has to be overboard, but I think if there are a couple of things that we can do each year that just might last for a while and just brings back again those memories that we talked about a little bit earlier. And some of my favorite memories is watching my mom and her mom and my aunt cook in the kitchen every Thanksgiving. And there were always those, you know, very specific items, right? So in our house, we always had broccoli rice casserole, which was incredible, cornbread dressing, turkey, and chicken and dumplings. And then our, you know, green beans, of course, everybody had green beans and black eyed peas. So those were the things that we ate pretty much every Thanksgiving. And to watch those women in the kitchen together is some of my best, best memories for Thanksgiving. And in my house, what we have done, because all of my family is pretty much gone. It's it's just my core family here now. And so what we do at Christmas is every Christmas day, we do what we call Cajun Christmas. So I'll do red beans and rice and jambalaya and crawfish etouffee, and we do beignets. And I mean, just we go all out in some of those meals that I remember from my childhood. But you know what that does? It gives me the opportunity to share stories with my kids since they don't have their grandparents on my side to go and see. This allows me to speak into their memories from my memories that hopefully one day they'll uh, pass those down to their kids. And You know, Laura, I'm realizing as I hear you talk about this that not only do you come from an extraordinary line of incredible cooks, <laughs> which explains a lot, you also come down from a line of extraordinary women. And I do see that played out in your kids and in your house. And it's really beautiful, holidays or not. What are some of your traditions? We always had a Thanksgiving lasagna. So my family's Italian and... So yeah, we'd have all the traditional turkey and, and whatnot, and we'd also have like baked ziti or lasagna. And so people always were like, why are you serving lasagna at Thanksgiving? Because always, and we had like the ricotta cheese, which is pronounced ragout, and the ragout was there and you would put it separately <sighs> next to the lasagna and, you know, almost use it like as a dip. This is how we always ate it. And when I first came to the South, it was so funny. I was sharing a Thanksgiving dinner with a family that was very Southern, and it was Thanksgiving uh, morning, and they had biscuits and white gravy. I'd never seen white gravy before, 
And I said, oh, that um, is so funny. Could you pass me some of the Alfredo sauce? And they were like, the what? I was the Alfredo sauce. They were like, this is white gravy. And I was like, I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> they showed me how to put that on a biscuit. Yeah. And, you know, at Thanksgiving time, when you have a lot of family, it's go, 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 go. So even my son recently got married. And so I realized that now they have about five different places to go. It is go, 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 go. Everybody needs their moment. And sometimes it's just good when you have kids and you feel like you want to get to see everybody in your life. Like we did my family at Thanksgiving. Tim's family had Christmas. My dad had New Year's. And that made life so much easier just to help us to not feel like we were running frantic, just trying to get to see everybody. So I know there's two sides of that spectrum. Sometimes there's tons of people to see, and sometimes there's nobody to see. And each one of those situations can be harnessed for the most sweet and fantastic traditions like you were talking about. One of my favorites, my friend Amy and her friends, every Thanksgiving make gingerbread houses. And then and look, I'm gonna. This is cautionary tale. Do not try this at home. But then on New Year's, they have a party and they properly blow up the gingerbread houses with firecrackers from afar. Oh, that's <laughs> all right. That is brilliant. Right? It is so fun. So, as we end, I want to encourage each of you guys to one, take a breath. Go and enjoy family. Hopefully this year you get to do that. Know that we can kind of fix anything whenever we get back home. Have fun and maybe try and start a few traditions of your own. As a part of the Moms on Call online classes, we put a little extra something in there for you, which are moments episodes where we get to talk to some of the people that are creating and doing things that serve and are of interest to parents of babies and toddlers. We got to talk to a really fascinating pediatric ENT, Dr. Stephen Gowdy, and he introduced us to something that we love called the Nosebot. It is a portable, rechargeable electric nasal aspirator with hospital-grade suction, and it's got this really unique nose piece design, and it's recommended by pediatricians, pediatric ENTs, and we have used it, and some of the Moms on Call team has used it, and we really, really are proud to recommend it. So you can go to www drnosebest.com and use offer code MOMSONCALL for $25 off the Nosebot Nasal Aspirator. That's www.drnosebest.com with offer code MOMSONCALL. Now you should always consult your healthcare provider concerning when and how often to use this nasal aspiration and pop on over to your Moms on Call online class and you can also watch the Moments episode where we interview the creator of the Nosebot. There is a lot of Moms on Call information in the world. We have books, we have apps, we have online courses, we have our website. Now we have this podcast. But sometimes you have a question that you just can't find the answer to. Something that's unique to your situation. We are happy to help you. Leave us a message at 
234-7979. And we will try to answer as many questions as we can here on the Moms on Call podcast. Hi, this is Andrea. I have a almost 12-week-old baby. She is doing formula only, and I stopped breastfeeding, and around two weeks, I pumped until she was two months, and then I've been doing formula. I feel like she knows that it is only formula I'm giving her because she has been rejecting bottle after two ounces. She starts like pushing it with her tongue. I asked my pediatrician that she might have a reflux. She is happy as a clam. She sleeps all night, but I'm only able to get about 20 to 22 ounces in a day when before I used to get it almost 28. Her weight is slowly increasing, but like I said, every uh, feeding is a battle. I've tried uh, the hypoallergenic formula as well doesn't really make make a difference. She's just going to the bathroom more often for number two. Anything you suggest? Should I try another type of formula or what? I am just going back to work next week and I am just, I don't know if they'll have the same patience as I do trying to feed her every time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that is a great question and it does cause a lot of anxiety and stress when these little ones have to take these bottles and we have deadlines coming up. So a few things I want to kind of talk about real quick is one, as long as she doesn't have reflux, doesn't have a milk protein allergy, then we really just want her on regular formula. So I'd get back to one of those baseline formulas. Bobby is a great one. Similac or Infamil, just those regular baseline formulas. We also want to make sure you're using the right bottles. Sometimes that's trial and error. What Jennifer and I have found is the regular old-fashioned bottles like Nook First Essentials are fantastic. I would try the nipple. That's the four plus nipple and see if that doesn't help get her to eat better. The other is sitting up, making sure that we're feeding her in that upright position. Uh, Many times that will help as well. It'll take a little bit of time. We'll gradually get up to that 24-ounce mark. And as long as she's gaining weight well, 22 ounces a day may be just fine for her. So we're going to watch that weight pretty closely, shoot for that 24 ounces, and keep just trying to encourage those feedings. Make sure we're not feeding too early as well. Hi, my name is Catherine, and I'm from San Diego, California, and I have a four-month-old little girl, and um, she recently has started sleeping um, about 7.30 or 8 p.m. to um, around 6 a.m. in the morning, which is great for us. Um, She was born a little small, so um, we had been doing middle-of-the-night feedings um, until pretty recently and still do um, when she needs it um, just because of her size. But I was curious, I know it would be ideal if we could get her to about 7 a.m., but um, sometimes she just wakes up at 6 and she's happy and, you know, she slept 10 hours, so I'm obviously thrilled. But when we can't make it to that 7 a.m. time, I will get her up and feed her and then just put her back down at 8.30 or I'll try to hold her for a little bit um, until 7 and kind of snuggle with her. I just wanted to see what your thoughts are on babies getting up just slightly early, um, not enough time to kind of put them back down before that 7 o'clock time. 
but definitely um, not making it all the way quite till seven. Thank you so much. You guys have really helped us out and I hope you have a good day. Bye. Hey, Catherine, thank you for calling in. And you're instinctively doing some great work over there in the mornings. And some babies do just wake up a bit early. And I love that she's waking up happy. So yes, you don't have to change a thing about what you're doing. And we just want to have a reminder. Like we have a 15-minute window on either side of any of the feedings that still counts. And if you have to go a little bit earlier than that in the morning and you find something that really works well for you and she's really getting those great 11 hours stretches in, then all we have to say is, yay, 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 Catherine, you are doing a great job. Hey, Moms on Call. My name is Kathy. I am a mom, but I am recently a grandma, and I am watching my grandson full time. He is going to be four months old on August 7th, and he refuses to take a bottle. And mom went back to work a week ago, and we have tried every bottle there is. Spoke with the pediatrician twice, spoke with lactation consultants. All they told us is try this bottle, try that bottle, try this nipple, try the premium nipple, try the fast flow nipple. Now we're, we've just ordered like a neonatal wire that attaches to your finger so the baby would suck on your finger. Do you have any idea, any clue of what we can do to get this baby to take a bottle? Mom's been pumping. She's been running home at her lunch hour trying to nurse him. Uh, we started him on a little bit of cereal, so that's helping part of the day. He gets through a couple hours, but he needs to drink, and I just, I don't, I'm at a loss. I thought mom was being a little over the top, saying, oh, he won't take a bottle, he won't take a bottle, and I said, ah, when I get there, he'll take a bottle, not a problem. Well, we have a problem. So any advice you have, thank you. Kathy, we do. You know, this is one of the things that our consultants do in their personalized consultation. So when we're having a struggle and when everybody, the whole community and mom and grandma and the pediatrician, everybody, you know, is doing everything that they feel like they can to solve this problem, we'll walk with you. We have solved this before and our consultants are amazing, but it's kind of something that's better to walk with you on a day-to-day basis. So we're checking in, so we're checking the number of ounces and we make sure that we are as successful and safe as possible as we help you sort this out. You have called the right place. We love grandmas and thank you for stepping into that situation and trying your best to try and get this little ones to, to eat. And we do. The reality is this little one has to take a bottle. Mom has to work, so we've got to figure that out. The best advice right now while we wait for that consultant to get to you is to make sure that we're staying as consistent as we possibly can with the times of those feedings, how long we fight to try to get them to eat, making sure that we're feeding sitting straight up will sometimes help as well. Yes, you've tried every single bottle out there, and we know that that is so frustrating. Just make sure that we have tried at least the Nook First Essentials 4-plus month silicone and the latex version. Try both of those. If you haven't, make sure you grab those. It's one more to that you have to get, but it is worth a shot to try and do. We've also seen these babies take to sippy cups a little bit better as well. So um, you may can also try a sippy cup here for these first couple of weeks during this transition. But give us a call, email in to the website, and let's try to get you connected and get some personalized support to help walk that out. 
We are always taking your messages at 888-234-7979. You can also find us on Instagram. We are Moms on Call there. If we didn't get to your question, you might be able to find the answers on our website, momsoncall.com. The good stuff is how we end every single episode of our show. We want to leave you something that makes you feel good in your heart and soul and puts a smile on your face. So we look for stories that are going to do just that. We call it the good stuff. Well, we all remember how hard it is those first few days with a new baby. And sometimes we feel like we're crying all the time. And it's not necessarily because we're, you know, sad or completely overwhelmed. And sometimes it is those things, but it's it's overwhelming. So this sweet, sweet mom, uh, I saw this article and she was saying, look, I hadn't showered in two days. I was covered in spit up. My sweet husband was at work, working like a 14 hour shift. I needed a shower. My baby wouldn't let me put her down. I tried to put her down. She would cry. She, This mom was just completely overwhelmed. And she said the baby had just thrown up everywhere. She was cleaning it up. She spilled her glass of water. So then had to pick clean up her glass of water she had just spilled. And she was just, she was losing it. And she said her phone was ringing. And it was her friend, Becca. And she said she didn't even want to answer the phone. How how often do we find ourselves like, I just, I'm not even answering. I just don't even answer. But she did. She answered that phone. And when Becca saw her, because she was FaceTiming, Becca saw her friend, Gabriella. She said, look at me. I'm coming over. That's it. I'm taking the baby and you are going to eat and shower. And so Becca shows up at the house, takes that baby, and goes and gets mom set up to take that shower. And that was life-changing at that moment. Her friend was paying attention and just knew that she needed her and dropped everything and headed over to help. And I just think that's incredible. When you were talking about at the beginning the way that you feel like you want to cry a lot. If you ever watched ER episodes or you are familiar with an EEG strip when they take your little brain waves and it just goes up and down and up and down and up and down, you may have seen the same thing like as a you know lie detector test has this measurement. That is what our hormones do when you have this baby. They don't just gently go back to normal. It is like this EEG strip of up, down, up, down, up, down. And it can take you on a roller coaster ride that even the strongest and most pragmatic of people don't feel like they're in control of their emotions sometimes. So the first thing I thought about was the normalcy of that, the beginning, just recognizing what our hormones do to us and being cognizant of it as a friend. So seeing that in somebody else and seeing those moments and just dropping everything to come to the rescue. 
you know, you and I get to do this so often and our clients will always say like, oh, do I need to clean anything before you get here? Or we'll get there and they'll apologize. Like they had a baby 10 days ago. Like, oh, I'm so sorry that this is a little messy. There's like two dishes in the sink. And I'll always say, if you want to impress me with your messiness, you're going to have to do better than that. But, you know, we're not here to judge the household. We're here to help you to be able to set up what you need in order to be able to do those things like get showers and clean up the water that you spilled or address the other kids. So many things. And one of the things that I really love about the Moms on Call community is the stories that we hear of moms who do this for other moms. You know, they'll bring their moms on call book over or they'll, you know, go, oh, wait, I read in the book, you know, that you would do A, B, and C, or have you tried this? And just to see moms coming together like that and recognizing those moments in us all, that's one of the most beautiful things I think that you and I get to experience regularly and that she got to experience that day. That is the most appreciated shower she ever took. Thanks, Gabriella. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. Please visit momsoncall.com for more resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive this amazing parenting journey. The number one way that people find out about new podcasts is word of mouth, just like Moms on Call. And your endorsement of this show is so important. Please tell all of your friends about this show if you think something in here would be helpful or bring a smile to their face. Also, please leave us a five-star review if you listen on Apple Podcast. And if you're so inclined about what you like about us. Thanks in advance, and we appreciate you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast.